James Bond. James Bond. Listeners and welcome back to the James Bond Complex, the podcast where we discuss and analyze the James Bond phenomenon in all its shapes and forms, from Fleming to films and everything in between. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your hosts, Edgar, and I'm Matt. Uh, today is yet another special episode. I feel like for a few weeks now we've been saying this is a special episode. This is a special episode. It's, it's a special. We're a special podcast, I guess. Yeah. Well, we're we're getting there. Uh, if you can hear the background noise, we are in downtown Toronto. We're f- we're recording live from the CBC uh, in a cafe <laughs> across the street from the CBC. We have a special guest with us today. Returning guest, our good friend Jason Kim. Hey guys, I'm glad to be back with you guys. And we are thrilled to have you. Uh, so why are we in Toronto? Why are there the three of us? Well, as we've been hinting a lot on our Facebook page, our Twitter account, uh, we attended last night's presentation, not screening, a presentation of Casino Royale in concert uh, from the Sony Center for Performing Arts in downtown Toronto. Now it's Saturday afternoon. Um, we've all, uh, we all got through our hangovers. Uh, we had a good time last night. Uh, interesting experience, I guess. Uh, some general. Actually, what were the expectations, uh, Jason? Let's start with you. What were, what were, what were your uh, What were you anticipating for this type of a show? My gosh, uh, that's a that's a very good question. Uh, I've seen many people attend these uh, films and concerts before for Star Wars, Indiana Jones, mm. and uh, Lord of the Rings as well. I've never been to any of these, but I always wondered. Wow, this would going to these would be really cool. That's the only expectation I had out of it. Mm. But in a sense that didn't meet my expectation, or I'd say my expectations were a bit novice, because um, I didn't fully grasp that how much the orchestra will be really in sync with the movie itself or the soundtrack of the movie itself. Because like the, I thought the conductor did a f- phenomenal job pausing the entire orchestra at its dramatic scenes, such as during the pre-title sequence when Bond commits his two first murders. Mm. and The music, like, it's very stop-and-go in that yep. sequence. And Matthew, maybe we'll, we'll get to the review soon, but maybe, Matt, some, uh, not initial thoughts, but rather uh, what your uh, predictions and expectations were. Um, I've seen another event like that. Mind you, it was... Is a bigger venue, but it was uh, it was not as pleasant as this one was. I saw Star Wars in concert a few years ago, but this was much more exciting. This was an entire picture. Everything was in sync. Uh, it, it, I was impressed with the uh, the skills of all the musicians. Like I'm completely, as some listener and Edgar knows, I am completely tone deaf. I have mm. no sense of timing. Musically. I am confirming. I, I'm, I'm sometimes I sing about uh, I try to sing uh, a tune of a Bond song and Edgar looks at me and like I know the song you're singing I know the lyrics but you're completely <laughs> off you had a good one yesterday I can't remember I think, I think you were singing License to Kill License and like kill, I uh, knew what it was but it just didn't sound like it yeah I'm, um, yeah, I'm completely tone deaf it's amazing but no I'm, I had uh, high expectation it, like it met them in some regards, in some regards, uh, I have issues that are more technical. Like the concert mm. itself was perfectly fine, but the venue, I'm like, 
Um, it's an issue I'm uh, noticing with these um, uh, orchestral performances. And even in the uh, Bell Center, like the seats are very small and the leg room is inexistent. And the, at the uh, Sony Center, they added um, uh, um, cup holders. Cup holders. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it takes a week leg room that's mm. already limited. So you're like, mm, 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 squirming to, to, and the seats are not really well padded. So I'm like, why? I paid. I don't remember how much money we paid for those tickets, but it was quite a bit of money compared to movie tickets. But yet, I oh, can, for sure, this is. I can go see uh, a, a, a Venom right now and be in a more comfortable seat than I was in last time. And pay but will it be a better experience? No, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not. But it, I mean, it, that's an, an issue. I think they they, they need to uh, eventually um, think of because they added the cup holder. For a reason, for people's people to be able to bring their drink and able to mm. consume them without spilling it on the ground. So that's an addition they made, but they they, they created another problem by fixing the, the trying to fix mm. this issue. They need to or take all the seats and put less seats and more comfortable seats in the future. That's my recommendation. So for the Sony Performing Center of Arts, if you're listening, uh, heed the heed the advice. <laughs> and you were going to say something. I think that's more of a Sony Center problem than it is a, a James Bond oh, yeah. problem or the orchestra problem. It, it is yeah. a completely it's, mm. it's 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 the Sony Center's problem. It didn't. It's uh, it's, it's definitely a, a a big hot spot here because I remember we're recording this on Saturday afternoon and we, we sort of went our separate ways in the morning. But from where I'm staying this weekend, I sort of walked down towards Lake Ontario and took right. So I walked in front of the center again and there was like this family event. I don't know what the event was, but it looked like there were more people this afternoon than last night. Of course, really? you know, parents with their kids, obviously. It was some sort of a family-friendly thing. But so, you know, they go from Friday night, you know, three-hour-long things to like Saturday afternoon. Let's go. Here's another event. So clearly it's like a, a massive thing here. Um I guess as for expectations for myself, I really wasn't quite sure what to expect. I was just, it was one of those things where I was hesitating, do I want the music to sound exactly as it does in the film, or am I okay with, for example, some of the beats sounding a little bit different? Um, I think I was fine with that. I didn't know what, what how it was going to be like, uh, as far as how it was going to sound. Uh, I think I was expecting to being swooned by the movie yet again and almost start forgetting that I'm listening to a live orchestra. Now, did that happen or did it not happen? We'll find out during this conversation. Now that we've seen the film and we've witnessed the event, so we talked about the seating, uh, we talked about the cup holders, uh, we talked about... Oh, we should point out that uh, we took some uh, excellent pictures with uh, some Aston Martin DB11s, a black one and a white one. It was actually navy. It was navy. Thank it, you. It was, it was navy. It was navy. Yes, you confirm yeah. it? No. Yeah. Thank you. We should specify if there are any car-related questions for the show uh, at uh, Jason Kim or whatever. We'll, we'll get your Instagram account later at the end yeah. of the show. Um, here's our, he's our, he's our, uh, our gearhead, so to speak. Uh, so we thank you for your presence. Thank you for the correction. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we were well-dressed. We looked rather dapper, if I may say so. And we took very nice pictures. I think there was a, there was a young lady who took some pictures for us as well. So, but everybody was sort of having a good time before the show started. Then, and then it begins. 
then it begins. Uh, general impressions of the show. Because it is a show. It's, you're watching a movie, but it's a show at the same time. That's kind of what makes it special. Um, first impression, I mean, I was, uh, the, 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 I, I, try, I was I was trying to pay attention to the orchestra from time to time, mm. but you, I got caught up, cut in the movie so many times that I was like, oh, uh, Matt, you're actually listening to the orchestra, pay attention to the, the, the orchestra. Because we had really good seats. We were like, yeah. right in the middle. The screen was, basically, we didn't have to tilt our heads up, down, left, right, at all. No. Well, it wasn't the biggest screen in the world, but then again, it's not a movie theater. Yeah. But it was big enough for us to for it to be uh, appreciated. Jason, I thought the orchestra was phenomenal. Um, I tried my best to focus on the uh, orchestra playing than the film itself. I was trying to use one eye for the for one, the other eye for the other, and. I'm glad you brought that up. So since you, you, you put a lot of, of emphasis on that, how easy was it and how did you enjoy it? Uh, the, for instance, the, some of the action scenes, I focused primarily on the action scenes themselves, but uh, it was on the key dramatic scenes because I've seen Casino Royale numerous times. So, and so ba- using my memory... When it was when it came to those dramatic scenes, such as the shower scene with between Bond and Vesper, mm. uh, the Venice scenes, when uh, when they when they first uh, sail down St. Mark's Square, or no, not St. Mark's Square, um, the Grand Canal. Actually, my bad. When the yeah, when come they, on, Jason. I haven't been to Venice, even though I travel a lot there. But but anyway, when because I remember those two key scenes had great music. And another scene which I particularly like is obviously Villa del Babianello in Lake Como. Even though that doesn't have any music in it, I focus on the uh, screen itself mm. to mm. focus on the dialogue between Bond and Vesper. Mm. And finally, the climax scene, which I remember when I first watched Casino Royale in theaters, uh, that blew everybody's minds away. Mm. And when he utters his iconic line and it uh, skips right into the iconic James Bond theme song by John Barry to signify that that Daniel Craig has now fully become James Bond those in scenes like that those three examples I just gave are the scenes where I focus primarily on the orchestra instead interesting okay and 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 you were saying that you liked uh, the orchestra uh, quite a bit um, I did. I did as well. I'm spoilers. Um, did you guys? I, I imagine you guys noticed that some of the, the, you know, the sound was a little bit different. It didn't always sound exactly like it does on on the score on the album. Um, did that take you out of the movie? Or I, I guess I shouldn't. I don't know. If, does it take you out of the mood? Does it take you out of the experience, or so to speak? How did that go? I kind of wish they actually played the movie without any dialogue, just to have the score on with subtitles I you would have it would have been a more immersive musically immersive experience um, sometimes I'm like I got I get caught up in the dialogue sometimes but there are moments the uh, that you know I love going to the theater for the collective experience and I love when the audience 
pays attention to the movie. No, no one is on their phone putzing around and talking to their little friends. We all paid like almost 100 bucks to get in. So I think the people that showed up were there to pay attention to the movie. A few people checked. Their, their, they'll, they'll watch a few times. Uh, but most people really got into it. And I love that people applause more or less at the, at the proper moments, like the end of the Madagascar chase. People applauded. I was like, yeah, mm. the entire time. I was, I was like, and people... Obviously, people were big Bond fans that were in the theater. So, like, a couple of little moments in the movie got little good laughs. That oh yeah, absolutely. I, a lot of the reactions were very similar similar to when I first watched this movie 12 years ago. My gosh, uh, mm. when I was a senior in high school then. Uh, Crazy how time flies, man. Yes, and uh, my yeah, I like the way Matt, Matthew mentioned that there were a lot of Bond fans there, but. Uh, from the chattery that was going on, not that I minded it. I mean, it was like little chatter here and there during the show. Uh, I could tell that there were many people who had never seen this movie before. The, they were, and I could tell that some of them were aware of James Bond as a franchise, but had never seen Casino Royale until this event. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you both brought up your points about the, the audience interaction with the film and maybe detecting who in the audience had never seen the film before, because those are actually a couple of things. For, to, to further your point, Matthew, um, it was a hell of a lot of fun, because since 2006, we've all just been watching and adoring and, and falling in love again and again with this film, you know, either alone or just with a couple friends, whatever, you know, on DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, whatever, however you watch them. So it was fun for the first time in 12 years to relive the, quote, theatrical experience and get that crowd vibe. You know, how is everybody reacting? Man, people were people ate up everything that came out of Judy Dench's mouth last night. Yes. They ate up yes. everything. She, she, I think she got the most reaction. All our lines were like zingers. I, and I never noticed um, um, a good zingers they were but that's the thing there was there was this one moment and that's why I love going to the movies but specifically for, for films maybe I've seen before there's a moment at, at the poker table this is after uh, this is when Bond, when Felix helps Bond buy him, when he helps Bond buy himself back into the game so Bond is already trying to figure out uh, Le Chief's tell and there's this moment, not a whole lot of people reacted, but there's this moment, as you know, you can see, you know, the chips are increasing on Bond's side, so you can tell Bond's getting back into the game, and Le Chiffre is maybe feeling the pressure, and Le Chiffre, like, makes a call and puts his finger to his temple, looks at Bond and sort of takes the finger away, and a few people in the audience, like, chuckled at that, because it's like, oh, oh, that's <laughs> true, I can't do this, like, Le Chiffre's like, oh, shit, I can't do this anymore. I had never picked up on that but there were some chuckles in the crowd I'm like yeah that's true he's sort of shooting himself in the foot by keeping on to do that <laughs> I thought that was but so that's one of those pleasures of seeing something in the audience uh, and as for people seeing it for the first time uh, it, it, you could definitely get that sensation and especially at the very end when Bond calls Mr. White you know who is this we have to talk and he gets the shot in the leg there were some people in front of us they jumped out of their seat like, they did not know that was coming yeah. Really? Yeah. I, it was fun. <laughs> I like I know, it. I know Jason was super excited. He was waiting for that moment. It's like, I'm going to film it. I'm going to film it. Like, I was looking, film it. Send me the video after. And did you, Jason? Absolutely. It's a great moment. It's a great and track. 
That's a great track. Well, let's talk about that. Well, you you, know, you wanted to say something. Uh, I still think it's uh, one of the best, if at least the top five, if not the best uh, ending scene of a James Bond movie from the 24 films so far. A top five, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. I don't... I don't um, if anybody dare debate that and offer some counter-argument, counter you know, good luck, buddy, because I'm not buying, you know. A bonus episode. We'll make a list of it. Oh, uh, uh, final scenes? Because there are a lot of good ones. And there's, and there's a lot of clunkers, but no, I, mm. I fully agree. Mm. That's a good point, because in a way, it has a great ending, a great track, and it's just perfection. And it has a good track. I, don't, I wouldn't say it's... I don't even know if I would put that on the top five tracks, to be honest with you, of all Bond movies. That theme or that rendition of the theme? Oh, I meant the, the score of the entire film. Hmm. Well, that, that's... Not, I mean, I'm not saying I disliked it. It's just... That's why uh, I always... Well, we did just see Casino Royale in concert, so I hope you like the score. <laughs> oh, I definitely... Oh, I definitely thought it was uh, very well... Very well done and very well put together, uh... What I mean is, if I had to make my own, if I had to choose which Bond film to do a, a film in concert, I, I would probably put Casino Royale up there because of its popularity amongst both mm. old fans and new fans. Yeah, you know you're going to sell some tickets. Yeah, but, uh, but if I had to discount that factor, uh, I would have put many other films ahead of it. I'll name a few. Goldfinger with Shirley Bassey's uh, Brassy. It's a great score, by the way. That score has a ton of brass, by the yeah. way. Just that brassy, just the flamboyance of that soundtrack would have been excellent. Live and Let Die is another. Spy <laughs> Who Loved Me, that's my personal bias, but I think it would have been, that's an excellent score as well, too. Bring out the bell, that like, yeah. cowbell uh, type of thing. No, not the cowbell. The, what do they call that? Uh, that's not one of my, I'm not thinking of cowbell. I'm thinking of... Uh, when you just hit two wood sticks together, talk, 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 talk. I, I, did I mention I'm completely musically illiterate? I don't know what. The don't you know that thing when you hit two? <laughs> Forget it. Uh, I would not have guessed by another. It's a good score. I, I, li I like listening to that score. I don't know. I, for whatever reason, that would not come to mind. Like, oh, uh, apart from Christina Real, what do you want to see in concert? I, I don't think I would think of Spy Who Loved Me immediately. Goldfinger, absolutely. So iconic. Memorable song. Mem and the, song, the, the theme of the song, the instrumental version, plays throughout the movie. So it's very recognizable. Uh, what else would I go for? Personally... I'd go for Living Daylights just because I think that's some, among of John Barry's best work. Yeah. But, you know, downtown Toronto, Friday night. Oh, you want to see the Bond movie made by that guy that most people don't remember. It probably wouldn't work. But as far as the music goes, yeah, I'd buy tickets for that like immediately. Like. And I also think For Your Eyes, for your eyes Only would have been a good rendition because I absolutely hmm. like that score a lot. I I love me some Bill Conti, so yeah. Even Bill Conti and uh, what's her name? Uh, Sheena, Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton. She's still around. She was young. She, she can't know. be dead. She's, she's around. She's around. She can go on tour actually, with the show. Actually, all the, ironically, all the Bond theme song singers are alive except for Chris Cornell himself. Yeah, bless his heart. 
Unfortunately, uh, last year passed away. Yep. Well, not passed away. In in, in my in, in the city where I live, in Detroit. Oh really? Oh yeah. really? Jeez. He was giving a show, right? Or yep. something. Like that? And then I was watching a baseball game that night. I didn't even know he was putting on a show. So that makes me feel more regretful. I was like, man, I was literally ten feet away from his last performance. It's an icon of the '90s. Like hmm. we were talking about it, like at Black Hole Sun. Soundgarden. Soundgarden uh, didn't he do something else when Soundgarden disbanded? Or Audio was Soundgarden slave. Audio Slave? Right, 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 right. Listen to a little bit of that. I think they had a song on the Triple X soundtrack. I'm not too sure. You, of us three, I believe you're the Triple X fan, so I can't yeah. really attest to that. Uh, the first <laughs> one, <laughs> when it came out. Right, sure. uh, excuses, excuses. Josh. Uh, <laughs> But I wanted to, so we, we broached the, the, the quality of the music and the score, but, and I know maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but the, but the, the, the rendition that we had the privilege of listening to of, of the James Bond theme um, last night at the end of the movie, because if you know the score at all, you know, the theme is sort of, it's, it's hinted at, it's peppered a little bit, but in full force, it's really only at the end as, as, as the end credits roll. What did you think of the James Bond theme last night? I noticed that it was actually different instrumentally than what was on the original film itself. But not saying I disliked the rendition of it last night, but I noticed it was different in many aspects. Matt? But you can still... What did your heart tell you? I liked it, but I didn't notice anything, anything particularly out of the ordinary. As I said, I am completely musically illiterate and tone deaf. Um, I, am, I, re- I really liked it. Um, yeah, my only, and then I remember, um, did you guys notice the, 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 the problem with the screen? You, you murmured something to me. I mean, I, I heard what you were saying, but like, I didn't know, I, what I, was it? I realized what it was. It's, a, it's again a Sony uh, Center problem. They have the, the movies projected by two projector on each screen, each half of the screen. Mm-hmm. In, at the top, there are two projectors, and they at sometimes they don't sync up properly. Really? And sometimes you you could see like a, a glitch in the middle of the screen, like the two sides of the screen didn't. And you, maybe your brain eventually reinterprets it, and you've seen this movie before, so you don't notice yeah, it. Don't. But I, I, a couple of times, there was a couple move camera yeah. moves that really. I think the guy in front of us also noticed because when I was talking to you guys, he was like kind of nodding. Interesting. So you're musically incompetent. I guess I'm <laughs> like digi- digital projection incompetent. I did not notice that at all. And yet I can get very finicky when I go to a theater and I can tell something's wrong. I can get pretty finicky, but I did not notice anything last night. I promise night. it was there. Hmm. Well, I believe you. I just, I'm just i saying I, I'm admitting I didn't see it. It's yeah, I never saw it either, to be honest with you. Like, I tried to, after Matthew pointed it out, but I just never did. And, uh, hmm. Oh, back to the the rendition of the iconic Bond theme song hmm. at the end. Like, because I've listened to the theme song, obviously, many times. And, uh, and it's been played many different ways as well. But oh, this absolutely. one did feel different. I felt the the brass when they went for the... Like when the brass kicks in, it was like, like huh, that sounds really like, different from how it usually does. It's because uh, I've seen instrument uh, on YouTube uh, orchestras playing the James Bond theme song, and usually when that uh, kick comes in, uh, 
There's usually a gong that plays, but I don't. There may have been a gong a last gong? night. Gong. Yeah. Really. But I didn't. There may have been a gong, but I didn't see it last night. And usually, uh, David Arnold does the electric guitar. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But I, I don't know if that was also available last night. But either way, they to make up for that, they did a very good job with the orchestra stuff. Because I used to play string instruments too. So, nice. So I thought I was like, yes. Is a is a harp considered a string instrument? No, I believe no? not. Hmm. I did like the harp though, and then were vespers themed. I did, and so, and again. I'm going to ask some questions, but I don't know. I, I'm looking at you, and you're looking at me, but like, is this going to go anywhere? Were there any moments <laughs> last night? Because there were some for me. Any moments last night where, uh, not as far as, as distractions go, but any moments in the film where the music from the, from the live orchestra really made itself uh, feel more pronounced, like the presence of the orchestra, not, oh, I'm watching a movie and music's in the background. Oh, no, there's somebody playing that instrument right in front of me, because there were a couple of moments for me like that. Oh, yes, uh, especially the, I guess, now that I delved into it, uh, the the, assass- the two ass- assassination scenes, when I watch them, with the way the music just stops, gave me the hint that wow there actually is a live orchestra in front of me playing and it was just so well synchronized that scene and uh, let's see what else was another scene uh, uh, when they first go to uh, Carlo Vivari Carlo Viv- uh, when they drive up to Carlo Vivari to see uh, Mathis oh, okay, Montenegro but mm. it's really Carlo Vivari guys because Montenegro. Yeah, come on, guys. Like, Montenegro, really? Montenegro does not look like that. They don't have the infrastructure to yeah, come build on. towns like that. Give me a break, man. Because I, I told you that. I, I was just there last year. But uh, anyway, because uh, I've been to Karlovy, Czech Republic, and uh, Montenegro. But, yeah, that scene when he drives the DB, or DBS mm. up to that uh, mm. old town in Karlovy Valley to see Mathis, that scene uh, yeah. with the instrumental really caught my uh, ears did. as yeah, well, too. Yeah. Matt? Any 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 impressions as best as you can tell. Um, you know the, the moment after Bond loses and he's pissed off and he orders a dry a vodka martini. Uh, he doesn't give a damn. <laughs> and he looks at Le Chiffre and he's like, I'm "Mother effer, I'm 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 gonna take him out." And mm. he, he talks to Mathis and he says, "Take the girl out." You you couldn't hear that line. And I was like, "Oh, yeah." Damn it, the orchestra was, was, was playing and I. It, like I refocused my, my attention back on the orchestra mm-hmm. when I heard that line. I'm glad you brought that up because th- I te- definitely agree with you because like, I totally forgot about that scene. And uh, the reason I'm glad you brought that up is um, there was a woman la- next to me. Uh, she asked her husband or whoever she was with, um, what did he say? And then the husband had to explain to her mm. the significance of Daniel Craig's bond saying, I don't get, do I look like I give a damn? Mm. And I'm glad. Really? Yes. Yeah, they should have put subtitles. <laughs> no, I think no, absolutely not for subtitles because, like, I feel like if you put subtitles, uh, it will distract the audience even more from the or- orchestra and just focus on the screen itself. To an extent, you know what? I think that's. I think that is going to vary greatly on one's film literacy. One, one, one's film experiences and how attuned you are with the cinematic experience like 
you know, if I'm going to watch a South Korean film, um, like I've seen enough non-French, non-English language, non-French language films, uh, to, thus forcing me to read subtitles to the extent where, yeah, my eyes are sort of traveling up and down, but I've done it so many times, and probably you too as well, and probably you too as well. We've done it so many times that it's, I'm not like, ugh. I really want to see this South Korean film, but I, I don't want to read it. For me, it's just like, you know, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. I'm not, like, missing anything in the film. So I think that would depend on how film literate you are and how how um, practiced you are in that. Also in the quality of the filmmaking, because if the movie is badly made and um, you need the, the, the dialogue conveys too many plot points and uh, orally and not visually... Uh, well, that's a bad filmmaking, but this is uh, such a well-made film. You could have played this movie without any dialogue, without subtitle, and would have played fine. But most audiences wouldn't have cared for that. I would. But But there were a lot of... Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I can't remember. I think it was you, uh, Matt, that brought up the point of... uh, you know, the gentleman's wife asked for the sig. No, it was you who said the woman asked her husband for the significance of uh, does it look like you give a damn. That that points to the fact that there were a lot of people there who, well, either they hadn't seen the movie in a long time or it was their their first time, which is quite something. I'm, you know, to an extent, I guess I guess I am kind of jealous. Can you imagine seeing that kind of a movie for the first time and you've seen it in that kind of a in that context, that's quite a special, quite a special thing. I there's a a small part of me that kind of wishes last time was the first time I ever saw Casino Royale because it was very very special. Um, and there were moments, uh, one, two three moments in the movie where the music took over so thoroughly that it's tr- the, some of the dialogue was a little bit difficult to to understand. Uh, so again, maybe. You didn't miss much dialogue. I mean, when st- st- when things start exploding, usually characters stop talking. Um, it's not as though you missed much, uh, but certainly if you're extremely focused on dialogue and you want to get everything, 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 yeah, it was maybe. I don't want to say not for you if you haven't seen the movie yet, but yeah, maybe you missed a little bit if you had never seen the film and this was your first time. And you know, the arc was, they're not going to like play play more quietly because James Bond's talking. Like, no, they're going to play the freaking score and it's live and it's right there. Well, we're great points, Edgar. Uh, oh, thank you, Jason. Uh, I would say because sometimes like we t- were talking about that the dialogue got diluted mm. in favor of the score. Uh, now I think about it, uh, outside of Bond, or there are many movies I, w- I would love to see films and concert of course and I believe this one's still going on is Close Encounters of a Third Kind I think because there's minimal dialogue in that movie and all the dialogue scenes don't really have any especially sound. at the end uh, people oh. yeah so I think I think when Close Encounters comes to a city near me I'm definitely gonna go see that <laughs> and it, anything by John Williams is a must see must hear must listen uh, yeah. experience I know there doing one for Home Alone, but I'm not sure if I would go see it now Now that I've seen one of these films in concert in person. I'm not sure if I would. I mean, I love Home Alone as a film. It's, a, it's an annual Christmas movie. Like, it's movie. like, uh, I know what you mean. It's like, great movie. Do I want to spend $100 to see it? No. 
No, it's not so much that. Like, I mean, there there's some great musical scenes in it, but like, I feel like in Home Alone itself. But at the same time, I feel like some of the great scenes in Home Alone are the s- scenes when the characters are reacting, mm. and I don't want the score to kind of distract from that. Mm. Whereas I didn't really mind it in Casino Royale itself. Matthew. It's still John Williams. An, an excellent counter-argument. An excellent counter-argument. I, I do know, I did go to the website, because there's, I don't know exactly who manages this thing, but Casino Royale in concert is part of a, a wave of films in concert that seem to be organized by the same group. They're, it's basically film in concert or something to that effect. If you Google movies in concert or films in concert, there is a website where they talk about, among other things, Casino Royale in concert. So it's not like this is a, a wholly unique thing. It seems to be all happening under this same wing. And I noticed that a lot of the films in the lineup are John Williams scores. Uh, Jurassic Park, which is coming to Montreal in March of 2019. Um, I believe there was Jaws, there was E.T., there was... Um, Raiders. Okay. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of course, it's hard to go wrong with, with John Williams. So, you know, if, if you're going to... If you're gonna, I, I have to assume that when they when they made this collective up, they, the first things that came to their mind were John Williams, of course. I wish they did a few uh, of the uh, well, the Tim Burton's Batman movie because those those scores, Batman Returns, I know it was one of your favorites. Absolutely, just that bird in Catwoman's mouth. I just <laughs> love that. You know, I was actually just thinking of that when I was when we're just when you guys were just before you said that Matthews. Uh, I was like, man, I. The Tim Burton Batman's would have been excellent too, because like uh, there aren't any, there weren't that many scenes. If I maybe I need to rewatch the movie, but there were many scenes of dialogue where the music kind of like takes takes precedent. Yeah. I, I guess the only scene would be when Joker kills uh, that boss. What's his boss's name? Bob. Uh, no, Carl Grissom. Carl Grissom at the office when he he's like, oh, you can call me Joker. Maybe that scene, maybe that those dialogue would have been kind of like muted a little bit but besides that I think uh, orchestra can resonate with that film for sure would they play uh, would they play orchestral versions of the Prince songs because there are a lot of them in that movie I, I don't know mm, I wish Prince was alive no. be a, be- a beautiful orchestral version of Party Man I'd go I'd, I'd buy a hundred dollars just for that just play me Party Man <laughs> with with wings and with wings with strings and brass and keys um, were there? No, oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, no. <laughs> were there any things about the the film that because uh, we, you and me, we started the show with Casino Royale, give or take twelve, thirteen months ago, or eleven yeah, months ago? About, about a year ago now. Uh, was there anything about the film you saw last night? You're like, oh, didn't notice that before. I paid a lot of attention to uh, Evergreen's uh, portrayal, um, especially the scene. Where she, uh, she, she and Bun start to flirt, and the banker shows up with the encoding machine, and she, she he asks her to, to to put the the password in, and she has a like she flips on a dime. There's just one shot, and her like her character completely because she's cool and confident, and after that she she looks like a I'm gonna say a little crying girl, but she she her character in in one shot, and I was like. 
That's like I don't know. I never paid attention to mm. it. I'm like, I was really trying to looking at her portrayal. And I'm like, and it's it, it is an enigma. Like y when you rewatch it, even after, like, what is she doing mm. as an actress, as a character? And even Bond at one point he, he confines her. Everyone has a tail except you. Mm. Yeah, big. Yeah, I know. I I know what you mean. It's uh, f for the number of. It, it's such a good performance it's not the type of performance where if you you've seen the movie before so now that you know that she's actually a, a double a double agent and you can see those those hints of oh she's a double agent those moments aren't really there but which kind of means that the moments where she shows emotion they're even more genuine because she's like oh no <laughs> This is going, this is going exactly as pro as planned, and that's a problem <laughs> because things are going really well. You know. and, and there's a few shots. Um, there's a shot after Bond loses the first time, and everybody leaves the the table in the room. Bond stays at the, his seat, and Vesper and Mattis mm. stay in the background. Mm. I mean, I could use that on a poster. It just, it's a great it, shot. It's a great shot. Great shot. Know, like great I was shot. really looking at. At the, uh, I, I, I've seen this movie so many times. Even with the orchestra playing, I was still finding more stuff to just like mm, bait myself with. It's mm. just great looking movie. Nice, Jason. Jason anything you noticed in last night's presentation that maybe had struck you uh, with more emphasis than before, or, or differently, or things you had just had never noticed in the film before? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> I, I well, I guess no. Go ahead, man. Does this have to include the orchestra or just the film itself? Yeah, it can be either or, the score or the film, or both at the same time. Because uh, I, I guess I always forget this whenever I watch this film. This is something I caught much later. I mean, I, I've seen Casino Royale numerous times. Too. A billion times? No, not that much. Uh, but uh, over a dozen times. And uh, I remember I caught, me and my sister caught this much later when we watch it because we watched it together when it first came out like back then but uh mind you she's younger and uh and she enjoyed the movie too but nice. uh one, the one thing I that uh I always forget is in this movie is uh how the Victoria's Secret Angel Alessandra Ambrosio is in this movie and she's one of the tennis girls where uh that winks at Bomb when he's <laughs> in the Bahamas because okay. I remember because I still remember when I first watched the movie and you know like and the n numerous times mm. I watch it, like I always say, man, who's that? Who's that? Who's that gorgeous-looking woman mm. there? And then well, there are two of them. Which one is it? She's the one on the right, the the Brazilian, the w girl with the long brunette. Mm. Thing? The brunette. Mm, nice. Yeah, and then I was like, holy crap, that is Al Alessandra Ambrosia. And then, and I, I had to Google that, and then, and my sister confirmed it because like she knows more about that stuff than I did because she lived in New York. And uh, when I talk with my, because uh, I like I said, uh, like you guys mentioned before, I have a lot of friends around the world based on my travels and you have people everywhere and when I was talking to a Brazilian one of my Brazilian friends about it um, and I was like hey did you know that Alessandra Ambrosio is in Casino they're like, and they knew well off the top of their head whereas like it took me n numerous uh, oh, viewings to figure that out oh. and then and then when I watched it, I was like, oh, oh yeah, she is in this movie. That's, I guess that's one. There's another little cameo uh, at the uh, Miami airport. The guy who's getting uh, checked on for uh, metal R is uh, Richard 
what's his face? Richard Branson. Branson. Yep. Yeah, the guy who founded Virgin, I think. Right? Virgin the Atlantic. owner. That's an excellent airline, by the way. That's one of my favorite airlines to ever fly. If you're a f fly Virgin Airlines, comfortable, affordable. Is it uh, international? Yes, it is. International? Absolutely. I mean, because I would get. I would think because so. that's the best way to get to UK, to England, in my opinion. And uh, they are the prettiest stewardesses. That's my bias, but. <laughs> Fair enough. You're allowed to be biased about a few things. I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, Matt. What I, up, Matt? There's some something else, a little, a little less positive. Um, there's a shot in the movie where uh, when Le Chiffre and um, the little couple are playing poker in in his on his yacht, and um, what's her name, Valenka, um, gets inside the the yacht. Mm. And there's a shot when she opens the the the, the sliding door, and you, it looks like green screen. It's such a badly <laughs> composite shot. I didn't shot. notice that. Ugh, like, like I, I've noticed it before, but I hadn't seen this movie in on the big screen since its initial uh, distribution back in '06, and I saw that I'm like, wow, somebody, like somebody, didn't do his, their job correctly. Yeah. There's another. It's tough though. Those those background, those back projections can be a little bit it's tricky not a back sometimes. Projection. That's a green screen. Um, green screen. But there's there's an effect shot. I'm, one of my teachers told back. Uh, I studied uh, CGI animation uh, back in the day and when he, he showed he, sh he showed me the section where the the house of Paris uh, the, the house in Italy falls down and it's all 3D comp it's 3D projection it's kind of like a matte, a moving mm. matte painting okay. it's, it is uh, something else because it, it, it's and yet they couldn't get the background of the shot when Vailenga goes into the pot <laughs> and yeah that's the thing they have great <laughs> effects and badly composited green screen it's just crazy mm. but yeah Oh, another thing. While we were on the Richard Branson topic, is uh, that <laughs> that Skyfleet uh, air airplane that uh, that that was unveiled at that's Miami. Being, uh, that's being unveiled. Me being an engineer, I just realized this is uh, it's a 747 with six engines, or no, four oh, engines. massive engines, though. I mean, it was two. It was uh, two engines combined. Two engines on each side. And that's I, a huge plane. I mean, it's a, it's not. I mean, it's a huge plane, but it's just a 747 is what it is. Because I've flown on those when I go to Korean Airlines is um, or long international routes is. But I realized just me being the engineer that I am. Um, in reality, that plane would never be able to lift off, lift off from ground because the having two engines like that does not give it enough stability to take off, and it doesn't have. And it, this is 2006, so the lightweight materials that we have today aren't av weren't available mm, then. Mm. So, you know, in a sense, I was like, man, you know what? Maybe Le Chief didn't have to do the terrorist attack. <laughs> like that that air that, that airline would have that or Skyfleet would have failed anyway because it's not <laughs> like that plane would have taken off ground anyway. Well, I, you know, I think that's the engineer in you speaking. I don't think uh, Tom, Dick, and Jane watching the movie. I'm Tom, and he's Dick. Uh, you know, we're like, oh, big plane. You know, Matt? Sky Fleet, Sky Falls. Brilliant. Crickets. Brilliant coup. Crickets. Actually, while we're still on this engineering topic, uh, another film... Well, you're on the engineering topic. I'm, I'm just listening. But uh, another film where I noticed the same exact problem... What about? Uh, I mean, uh, mind you, even as an engineer, I'm usually able to forgive or let go of a don't, lot of don't say things. like Fast and the Furious when they fight in the plane no 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 like uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark 
that uh, V-shaped bomber, whatever plane that is, that they were trying to load the Ark of the Covenant in. Mm. But it gets blown up as Indy's fighting that bald henchman. As yeah. Marianne is stuck in the pilot. That plane also would have never flown off ground either. So like, And I see a lot of similarities between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Casino Royale. Not in the sense that they're both first of their series, in a sense. And uh, many, many critics... In, I'm not a critic, but many people will say both those films are the greatest action films of its era or of its or, or, or of all time in terms of cinematography in terms of action choreography story originality and whatnot hmm. so oh, which is funny because indiana jones is sort of aping the saturday matinees of yesteryear i don't know about how original it is it doesn't mean it's not a great movie it's it's one of my favorites to be honest and the other similarity between those two films as i told you guys before is that the truck scene in Miami, which resembles Living Daylights and License to Kill in its respective ways, hmm. also resembles the major truck chase scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark after the airplane fight scene. <laughs> very true, very true. I mean, there are a lot of... Uh, we talked about that a little bit over supper last night, the similarities between Indian and, and James Bond. I mean, let alone you know, actors from one movie appearing in the other one or... Or maybe even an actor who plays James Bond appearing <laughs> in one of the Indiana Jones films. So, I mean, uh, but with Indiana Jones, we're getting a little off topic here. But Indiana Jones, I mean, that's that's George Lucas and Steven Spielberg trying to figure out, well, how do you make how do we make our version of James Bond? Yeah, so it's like, you know. how do we try and copy what uh, Broccoli and his crew have been doing for uh, thirty years now? That's mm. what they they're in censorship. The introduction of Indiana Jones was, uh, but back to the movie. We didn't talk about the torture scene and the string in that sequence. See, I use the musical—that's a musical term. See, I'm not completely li- musically literate, Could but I, yeah. it's so eerie and upsetting. Like, just ugh. Yeah. I know. It upset me. I, I never paid attention to it as much. And added with the acting, and people laugh at certain moments because of uh, Daniel Craig's reaction but it's a horrific scene it is it's absolutely horrific but it's also a wonderful example of, of how a film can uh, assuage some of the discomfort associated with what is clearly a very discomforting <laughs> moment uh, with a little bit of comedy it's very very black humor uh, but it, it works I mean the crowd just ate it up like I got a little itch down there would you mind now to, to the, the left. left. To, to the, the right. Left. No, to the right. To the right. To the right. To the right. You're a funny man, Mr. Bong. <laughs> and, yeah, I think when people... <laughs> now everyone's going to know he's crutching my balls. I died. I died. You are so wrong. <laughs> you know, I think people were squirming and laughing at the same time, which is exactly what a scene like that is, is trying to accomplish. I mean. And another thing... Uh, agree with your reactions as well again Edgar oh you're too kind and and, and and the perception of the audience at the time on and this is another thing I've noticed like I guess after watching Casino Royale after quite some time not over a year but I mean I watched probably last year too but uh, you know having been to Denmark recently and 
and watching a lot of Danish films before going back to Denmark and you know and having since returned back from Denmark mm. is uh, this movie actually was Moss Mikkelsen's first villain role and that helped catapult his startup <laughs> into Hollywood so like as a villain predominantly predominantly villain and you know I've seen him as Hannibal in the NBC show which, mm. which he a little was bit of that. which he was phenomenal in as well and some people think many people will say that he did a better job there than he did as Le Sheep. I mean, he was phenomenal as Le Sheep. He's phenomenal as both. I mean, it's it's fine. I'm not going to bring myself to. But uh, <laughs> you know, like what I'm trying to get to is, um, Moss Mikkelsen before Casino Royale in Denmark, he was very, he's very well known as a kind of like a heartthrob actor. Oh, have you seen that guy? I mean, come on. Kind of heartthrob actor or actor who plays a lot of very like tender. Uh, fatherly figures in many of his Danish films and there's many films I would recommend and so that's kind of like so when I went into this movie I kind of went in with that kind of mindset is because I after having returned from Denmark uh, I put that image of Moss Mikkels in my head and then now going into this film he's playing a much more sadistic character for lack of a better word I was like wow that's quite a ton of a change yeah, for him. I, I but see, I'd never known. I, well, then again, I, I maybe I wasn't quite the cinephile I am today. But I, I didn't know really who Mads Mikkelsen was. So that was the first time I was ever seeing that guy. So, and since then, I, you know, I've seen a couple episodes of Hannibal. We've all seen Doctor Strange. So, unfortunately for me, Mads Mikkelsen is kind of the bad guy. Um, but uh, oh, same with me too. But when I was first introduced to him as an actor, but uh, when I went in. Tonight, last night, uh, I went in with the knowledge that Moss Mikkelsen was never, wasn't always that kind of, didn't always play those portrayal mm. actors. Mm. Well, I'm sure he has much more range than we're giving him, than I am giving him credit for. I have no doubt about that. So, I, so that's, so I paid when I was watching Casino Royale last night again. Uh, I was focusing a lot on his portrayals and a lot of his scenes. Hmm. Anything in particular that you picked up on, or? Not so much the torture scene itself, but uh, in the scenes where he's kind of very cold-hearted. Uh, when he tells uh, his bodyguard to throw the guest overboard, that's one <laughs> one scene. I like the scene where uh, when he beats, he defeats Bond, he take, puts down his cards one on top of the other. So I can't remember what the top card is, but we think he loses. Then he shifts it aside to reveal the second card. And he goes, oops. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that gets me every time. Um, oh yeah, that's, been, that scene as well, too, but go ahead. We've been running for, for a little while. Uh, do we? Are there any sort of uh, final uh, thoughts? Uh, do, do we keep going? Or? No, we have, uh, we have about 10 minutes left of uh, okay, so space. We'll, yeah. on, on any uh, any uh, final thoughts? If I can ask a question, uh, maybe to start uh, wrapping this up. Uh, Monsieur Mendel, Herr Mendel, uh, uh, greatest character of the entire series or just the best character in Casino Royale? It's funny. He's, he's very amusing. I'll take that for greatest in the series. He filmed his scenes in the best locations in the, in the series. So All I'll right. So we have two uh, votes for greatest character in the franchise. Uh, I'm voting that way as well. It's a, three, it's a sweep. And no chocolates. I'm afraid not. <laughs> So, final thoughts about uh, Casino Royale in concert? 
if if they're um, airing or screening the, the movie in your neck of the wood, um, make sure to, to check it out. It's worth your time. For your, if you're listening to this podcast, you're a Bond fan, so you might as well shout, shout out the, the money to, to get good seats. Mm. Buy early. Yeah. For any non-Bond fans out there, watch, uh, go see a screening of this movie because it, it was, the orchestra was phenomenally well done. And you will become a James Bond fan. Absolutely. Whether you like it or not. So, and I, I will, I have nothing else to add. I am, I will echo your thoughts and sentiments. I thought it was a great time. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, a, a different experience. A fre- it's a, it was a fresh way to see a movie we had all seen a great number of times, which is always a fun, fun thing to, to experience. Um, so, Jason, we want to thank you very much for returning to the show on this a special Casino Royale in concert review episode. Uh, for the uh, listeners who uh, might need some uh, traveling tips and ideas of where to go, where can they follow you online? Instagram at jsxon88. Oh, that's not complicated at all. Uh, you have a Facebook uh, page, too. No, just my fa- personal account, but uh, you guys could always link my Instagram to your James Bond Complex Instagram as well, too. Nice, nice. Jason, as, uh, as, as we discussed in our uh, previous uh, episodes that included Jason... Uh, world traveler, world traveler. If you need to know what does Italy look like, what does Denmark look like, what does the Netherlands look, what does Argentina look like, what does Antarctica look like, what is, Ant- what is Antarctica? Are you thinking of going to Antarctica? Check out Jason Kim's Instagram account. <laughs> and um, as for the show, the James Bond Complex, uh, well, we also have people everywhere. Uh, we have the www.thejamesbondcomplex.com. We have a Facebook page. Please search for us. Uh, the James Bond Complex. We have a Twitter account at the Bond Complex. We also have an Instagram account, although maybe not as good as Jason's. We're getting there. Uh, search for us at the James Bond Complex. Uh, we have a YouTube page. Search for the James Bond Complex. Subscribe and click the cute little thumbs up logo. Try to avoid uh, clicking the thumbs down logo, please. Um, you can uh, download us and, and listen to us on Google Play if you can Google that. And if you're comfortable with iTunes, uh, search for us, uh, subscribe, review, and give us a five-star Golden Gun review. Always appreciate it. We are on Twitter individually. I'm at double O pop. That's uh, the word double underscore O-H underscore pop. I'm at Matt O'Claire's with two T's. And just as, actually, what is the next episode? <laughs> uh, if uh, Halloween. It's our Halloween special. Okay. This is which I think I which I think I said on the train episode, um, whatever. Yeah. Oh no, the next episode is the train episode. You're right. You're right. There's a, there's so next episode is our episode that we recorded on the train. Uh, this is coming out this Wednesday, uh, so there's a very very little editing uh, on this episode. So you'll. Li- Are you keeping this in? Oh yeah, I'm keeping this. Uh, <laughs> I'm not editing at all. Everything, all right. Everything's in. Do it, do it, Bond debriefing style. Yeah. So just as James Bond is always want to return, so too will the James Bond complex return with our review of the train scenes of Bond. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. À la prochaine. Au revoir. Au revoir.